welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 27th of October 2013, entitled, Before You Go, You Need to Know. And the Bible reading is taken from Psalm 139, verses 1 to 14. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Use us as instruments, and the only way that they can come to know the truth is through us. You know, and, and I guess Romans chapter 10 is one of the uh, the great places that we find that, uh, you know, all those wonderful, glorious truths that are down through there, but how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear if somebody doesn't take it to them? Uh, but sometimes it's daunting because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid that they'll ask something that we don't know the answer to and, and all kinds of things. And uh, uh, so I want to share a very simple thought that uh, uh, the Lord laid upon my heart, and uh, hopefully it uh, will be a blessing to you tonight be an encouragement to you. If you happen to be here and don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I hope it speaks to your heart, uh, the most wonderful message in all the world. And uh, for those that are Christians, I hope that it'll just be an encouragement to you that we don't have to be theologians to be witnesses. We just have to know how to get saved. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, that's what a witness is, is all about. Psalm 139 I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. I invite you to stand with me if you'd like to honor the reading of God's Word. Psalm 139 and verse 1. It says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and know me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell below, thou art there. If I take the wings of morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Father, we thank you again this evening, the time that we have together around your word. And Lord, these simple thoughts that you've laid upon our heart this evening, we pray, Lord, that you would take and use them, Lord, to speak to hearts here this evening, because they... They do not need to hear from this man, but Lord, we pray that your word would speak to their hearts by your spirit, and we give you all the praise and honor for it in Christ's name, amen and amen. Well, I mentioned to you recently that I remembered reading a survey. Um, it's been probably, uh, yeah, a lifetime ago, uh, probably at least uh, 30 odd years ago, and uh and, of course, it was listing out as far as who people trusted. And, uh, and it had about 20-some-odd professions that were on there of, of people that they dealt with and how much trust that they had in them. And, uh, 
right at the bottom of the list, and there was a couple of these uh, surveys that I was able, and right at the bottom of the list, there was, uh, there was two that always exchanged places. One was car salesman. The other one was insurance salesman. Uh, the least trusted people in all the world. If you sold cars or you sold uh, uh, insurance, then uh, people didn't trust you. Not far above them were those that I guess have really come into the uh, limelight recently, uh, and that's those that deal with, uh, with finances. Uh, they figure if you're dealing with their money, then you're looking out to, uh, to take it from them, and uh, so you're not real high on most people's trust list. Uh, well, when I guess after that God called me into the ministry, and, and of course uh, uh, I was working in business management, you know, I got to think, I, I was really involved in all three of those, you know, <laughs> the least trusted people in all the world. Uh, because my last few years in business management before being full-time in the ministry was as a business manager of a new car franchise dealership. So, uh, you know, we sold cars, we financed those cars, we sold them the insurance for those cars, and I was the guy behind the desk that was doing all of that for them. And so not many people trusted me any farther than they could see me, and probably not that far. Um, but I was thinking back to those days because, you know, there's something, if you've ever bought a car, uh, whether it's a used car or a new car, uh, one of the things that is often said right before you, you leave that salesman or that dealership or whatever is that there's some things that I need to tell you before you go. Uh, you know, like how to start it and where the accelerator is and where the brakes are and how to turn the lights on and how to blow the horn. And you get in a car and all these gadgets and buttons that are in all different places and whatnot. And so that was certainly one thing that uh, we would always, always, before a customer left, you know, before you go, there's some things that we want to take you out and we want to show you, we want to tell you, we want you to know about this car before that you get on the road with it. Uh, I can remember, of course, some of you know that we've been involved for some years with the, uh, with the subway business. And of course, when that first came to this country, I was very familiar with it from my North American days. Uh, but I can still remember the looks on people's faces sometimes. They come in, and they have absolutely no idea what they're supposed to be doing uh, because there's an awful lot of questions to ask to, uh, uh, to get through that process, and, and people would just be overwhelmed, and we would need to tell them some things, to teach them a few things before that uh, they were able to go through the, uh, the, the process. Um, I guess that uh, especially when our kids were younger, uh, we used to like to go to the amusement parks. And of course, the truth is, is like even uh, even this summer, we went to an amusement park. Don't tell anybody. And I rode every roller coaster that was in sight because I love those big rides. The bigger, the better. You know, I, I like to just, you know, even even at my age, I like I like to be frightened a little bit. You know, I like for something to uh, to take my breath away, if you would. Uh, but most of those bigger rides like that, uh, they have a little. Uh, a measuring thing. Now, I guess this came to mind because uh, Shelly was telling me a story. I won't repeat it because she'd probably kill me if I did. Um, but, you know, most of you know my, my, my dear daughter's not the tallest person in the world. So, you know, sometimes if she weren't an adult, she could pass for a much smaller child. But these, these amusement parks, they have those lines and you have to be at least this tall in order to, uh, to get on this ride. And then if you happen to be above that, then they still, there's these last minute things that you have to know if you're going to ride this, this dangerous ride, you know, keeping your arms inside, don't do this, make sure that the bar is pulled down tight, that you're fastened in so that you don't go one way and the ride goes another way and all these things because you need to know those things. It would be dangerous to, uh, to get on there and do that. And just about everything that we go about in life. Um, I used to be a pretty good fish, fisherman. 
And, uh, and I love just spending hours out there in nature on, on, on the river. Uh, but it used to irritate me to go out there and be doing serious fishing and have somebody along with me that didn't know what they were doing that were scaring all the fish away, you know, because this was serious business. Uh, I used to be a reasonable golfer. Uh, that was when I had time to hit that little white ball around, and I, and I loved it. Again, I think it's just a, the being out there in nature away from things and whatnot, but, uh, you know, there's a lot more to it than just hitting that ball with that stick. Uh, there's some things you need to know about the game if you're going get, to get involved. And I say that just simply because that thought came to me that, you know, there are a lot of things in life that, you know, before we go to do something, there's some things we need to know. Uh, and oftentimes it's when we're getting ready to embark with us on that ride or in that car, whatever it's doing, it's when we're getting ready uh, at that last minute that before you do that, there's some things that I need to tell you. And I believe that there are some things that every human being alive needs to know. Just the simplicity of that, there's some things that everybody needs to know. And I guess that uh, if I had a, a full title tonight, I kind of shortened it in your bulletin, but it's before you go, you need to know. Before you go, you need to know. We find that there's one place that all of us are going, and the Bible tells us that it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And so everybody here is heading on that path. You know, unless God does choose to come back for us uh, before that we make it to the graveyard, uh, nobody yet, uh, not your parents and not your grandparents and not your great-great-grand, I don't care how good a line you come from, uh, they all made that appointment. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Well, you know, before you go, there's something you need to know. Before you go, the first thing that you need to know is that God is awesome. We just got through reading about it here in Psalm 139. God is awesome. I shared with you this morning. I got really, really, really upset and furious when I was uh, uh, reading some of, uh, of, of Dawkins' stuff this past week. You know, I, it's just hard for me to comprehend. The fact is, is that you're not going to go anywhere in life, you know, before that you believe anything about God, you're going to have to believe that, that God is, that He is there. And that's what we just got through reading about here in this psalm about this awesome God that we serve. The Bible begins, the very first verses in the, the very first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You know, God was. God was just there. But God created all that is. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. In verse 14 of our reading right here that we just read, he says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You see, as we look around, I mean, this world is awesome. God's creation is, is, is an awesome thing. It's God. And particularly God the Son, God the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the very one that died on the cross and, and, and paid for our sins, he's the one that's responsible for all of it. It's Jesus that we sing about 
Colossians says about him in Colossians 1.17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. You stop and think. In the beginning, God, God was before all things, but Jesus was God. And we find that the Bible tells us very clearly that not only was he before all things, not only did he create all things, but it's only by him that all things consist. Romans chapter 11, verses 33 to 36 says, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. You see, there are a lot of people, folks, that go through this world, and, and you know, the very first thing, you know, and it's, and it's all around you, is just to recognize that our God is awesome. I mean, he's beyond our understanding. And, of course, this is part of the problem. We find that, again, particularly in the book of Romans, we find that, you know, part of the, part of the real problem with man is he tries to bring God down to man's level. He tries to understand why and how God does everything, and, and sometimes we want to give him a little bit of advice on how that, that he can do it better. But just look around. I'm talking about the awesomeness of a God that is beyond our knowledge, beyond our understanding, by whom everything that is was made, by whom everything that is consists and is here today for us, our God. We sing that chorus sometimes, our God is an awesome God, and he really is. And you know, such a simple truth, but it's one of the simple things that, you know, as his children, we need to be witnesses to everyone, everybody, before they go. Before they leave this world, they need to realize and understand that God is there and our God is awesome and they need to know him and they need to have, a, a, I guess, a, at least the little understanding that we can of him. So on the one hand, you've got a, an awesome God that's responsible for everything that is, but not only do you need to know before you go that God is awesome, but sin is awful. <laughs> sin is awful. How do we define sin? Um, well, I would say that uh, anything that's contrary to God, anything that displeases God, anything that is less than God's holiness and righteousness. You see, you don't have to be a murderer or a bank robber or a rapist or some really vile sinner to be a sinner. Um, Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is no more graphic description of the sinner in your Bible probably than Romans chapter 3. And you look there and, and he goes through and he, and he takes this very graphic picture. And of course, what we come away realizing and understanding is that there is absolutely nobody that's left unscathed by sin. And everybody is guilty. And the sad thing is, is that everybody's guilty, but nobody knows it. 
You know, we have no desire for godly things. We have no desire to be better because of the depravity of our souls that we have born with as sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. That's verse 10 of chapter 3, and later in that same chapter in verse 23, it's very hard to understand because it says, for all have sinned and come short of what? Of the glory of God. No, not one is righteous. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And of course, he's using Archer's terminology there. You know, the simple truth is if God, his righteousness, his holiness, if that's the bullseye, everybody's missed the bullseye because it doesn't matter how we compare. He doesn't say all have sinned and come short of the expectation of some man or the comparison to some man. We have come short of the glory of God. The truth is that's the only righteous one. That's the only sinless one. And so we find that sin is awful. It's something that Everybody has caught. It's the most terrible disease in all the world, and we all have it. And I've made the simple statement time and again that, folks, we don't become sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. We find that the Bible says that we're all guilty. If we compare it to the only, the only target that matters, the only bullseye in all the world, the glory of God, we all come short. We all miss the mark. Romans 6, 23, the wages of that sin is death. There is nobody that's righteous. Nobody's left out. All have sinned because all have missed the glory of God. And there is a payment that is due. There is a wages that is coming because of that sin, and it is death. The wages of sin is death. You know, we could spend a long time there, but the truth is when God created the first man and the first woman in the Garden of Eden, he didn't create them to have a certain number of days, and then that would be it. No, the Bible teaches us very, very clearly that it was when sin entered in that death came with it. There was no death until sin. The wages of sin is death. That's what brought it about. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, it's a very simple truth, but I think that, you know, so many times it can, it can get people so confused on many other issues. Folks, you know, the penalty, the payment, the punishment for our sin is not that place called hell. And the reward for our sins being forgiven is not that place called heaven. There are only two eternal abiding places, heaven and hell. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And, of course, heaven is the presence of God himself. There aren't, there's nowhere else to spend eternity with God or without God. Everything that heaven is, which is, again, the Bible says that eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard, we can't even begin to understand what's in store for us there. Why? Because everything we know, everything we touch, everything that we see has been tarnished by sin. We don't have anything to compare it to. It's beyond anything that we can imagine because we can't imagine fully what it would be like not to be tarnished by that awful thing called sin. 
hell? Well, again, there's a lot of, I guess, discussion, arguments, debates over what hell is. Well, I know this much about it. I don't know a whole lot about that either because, you know, you really, you really try to stop and imagine that heaven is everything that's right, perfect, beautiful. And hell is everything that's the opposite of that. I don't think we begin to understand. I know enough about it from the Bible to know without a shadow of a doubt it's not where I want to spend eternity. But we're going to spend eternity in one place, heaven or hell. But you see, the wages of sin is not hell. The wages of sin is death. Death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. The gift of God is not heaven. The gift of God is eternal life. But if you've got eternal life, you're going to live for eternity with him in that place called heaven. Christianity is really about life or death. It's that simple, folks. Our God is an awesome God. He created all life and everything that is. It all literally remains because of him. God is awesome, but sin is awful. Everything that we look at, it, people want to blame God. Well, if you've got such a loving God, why are these people dying over here and these people suffering over here and these people doing this over here? You want to say that, that, that God's this great big God and he's uh, sovereign and he's in control and yet he's letting all this stuff go on? Folks, the problem with the world is not God. It's a lack of God. The problem with the world is sin. And God has done everything to give us an alternative, but we've got to understand before you go, there's some things you need to know. You need to know that God is awesome. He's like nothing that you've ever seen or imagined or described or heard of in this world. Sin is awful, more awful than you can even comprehend. Ezekiel said it this way in Ezekiel 18.4. He said, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth it shall die. Sin brings death. Isaiah said in Isaiah 64.6, But we are all as unclean things, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. You know, the most awful thing about sin is that it separates you from God. It separates you from God. Yes, it does keep you from going to heaven one day, but before you die, you need to know that the God of creation, the one that's responsible for your very existence, that he is more awesome than anything that you can imagine or describe, but you need to recognize every individual. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. The Bible is clear. Nobody makes the mark. And that sin, because of that sin, the consequences of that sin are awful. God says it's not his will that any should perish. God doesn't want you to suffer that. That's why he went to the cross and he died on the cross for your sins. 
The problem is, is that so many times we're just so blinded to those things. Our hearts are hardened. We find that you need to know. And everybody you come in contact, because everybody's headed for the same place, that appointed time. And we need to know, if we know anything in this world, we need to know that God is awesome. We need to know that sin is awful, the consequences of it. But thirdly, another simple thought, God is awesome, sin is awful, but forgiveness is available, praise God. (laughs) You see, there is no other option with sin. Sin separates you from that awesome God. Sin will bring death in the end. And not just death by the grave, but death eternally. Eternally separated from God. But you see, I know that it's, again, something that is so big it boggles our minds if we try to stop there, but God loves you. God loves you. And God knew before he ever created any of us, God knew that we were going to need help. He knew that we were going to mess things up bad, just as bad as they could be messed up. And he knew that if he was ever, ever going to have the opportunity to have that life with us in heaven, that eternity with us, that he was going to have to do something for us because we could not and would not do it for ourselves. But you see, just as God is holy and righteous, that means he's just. He could not. If, if, if God allowed one sin to be swept under the carpet, then he would no longer be a perfect, holy, righteous, just God. Sin has to be paid for. But in order for that to take place, again, try to get your head around this. I mean, you know, we kind of go back, and I know that a lot of the, uh, the world laughs at us. We kind of go back to 6,000 years ago when God created everything that is. And, of course, you know, that's, that's hard for them to grasp and understand. And the whole creation thing, we're going to be going through that in our Sunday mornings, contending for the faith before long, and we'll see some exciting things there. But the simple truth is is that, you know, 6,000 years, that's, that's not a very long time, really. It may hit, you know, thousands, but in, in light of eternity, we're the ones that are bogged down by time, not God. But the Bible says before the foundation of the world, before that any of this was here, before God created anything, he already put his plan in place. He already had his plan for Jesus to come. That's, that's, man, that's big to get your head around. That, you know, before we even came, God knew how we were going to mess up, and he knew that we wouldn't be able to do anything about it to fix it ourselves, so he put the plan in place to take care of our sin. And he sent his son. The Lord Jesus Christ came. Folks, he didn't come just to show us the greatest example of humanity that ever walked on the face of this earth. He didn't come to show us the greatest teaching that absolutely astounded people, even as a 12-year-old boy, you know. He didn't come just to perform those wonderful miracles that he performed. Jesus did a lot of wonderful things, and there is no finer example, and there certainly is no greater teacher 
all of those things. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, the plan, the reason that he came, because all those miracles and all that great teaching and all that finest example and everything that he did, that would never save a soul. He came to die on the cross. He came for you and for me. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Again, we can't, that, that, that's a love, you know. I've, I've talked to some of you. I've talked to some that were here this morning. I've, I've had enough battles the last few weeks. with them. You know, one of Satan's greatest tools is this thing of, of dividing and, 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 and separating people and pitting one against another and getting people to believe all kinds of crazy things that aren't even the truth in the first place. The devil's good at deception. Huh. And he don't really care if it's a lie or if it's the truth. If he can use it to destroy, that's fine. You use anything that he can possibly use. And he is the great deceiver. And he'll try to deceive the minds of each and every one here this evening. Somebody may be listening to it on the internet. Somebody may be listening to it five years down the road from now. God's message doesn't change. These are such simple truths. You can understand, you can educate, you can learn, you can know a lot of things about a lot of things, but I want to tell you something. Before you go, there's some things you need to know. And the things you need to know is that God is an awesome God. He's responsible for you and everything else that is. Sin is awful. It'll destroy every human being alive left with them. There's only one alternative, and that's forgiveness. God is awesome. Sin is awful, but forgiveness is available. And it's available for you, and it's there. Jesus died for you. You have to get past that point of, of trying to earn your way to heaven, of trying to do all these things right, of trying to turn over those new leaves. Have you, ever, have you ever done those things in your life and gotten so frustrated? If I focused on those things, I'd stay frustrated. <laughs> Every morning when I look at myself in the mirror, we never, ever, ever, we never get it right. Only by God's grace, only because of him. You know, I guess that one of the most quoted verses in all the Bible, why? Because it's so powerful. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that awesome God that is so, so big and beyond anything else we know, the greatest powers, 
the greatest inventions, the most awesome things this world. You know, there's some awesome sights and things out there, but we're talking about a God that is beyond everything else because nothing else is without him. But yet that God in his awesomeness and his greatness would reach down to each and every one of us where that sin has tarnished us, where that sin is destroying us. And he'll speak to your heart, to your soul, individually. God is the only one. You know, the Bible says, unless he draws, no man come. We're not going to just choose God on our own. God loves you individually. Through the power of the Spirit, by his word, he'll speak to your heart. He'll convict your heart. He'll draw you to that place of recognizing your need. Maybe speaking to you or maybe here tonight, God just wants to remind you, hey, we're all going to be doing something tomorrow. It might be working. It might be, it might be learning. It might be fighting with the neighbor. <laughs> the truth is we're all going to be somewhere doing something and the simple truth is, is that whoever you see tomorrow, before they go, they need to know. Before they go, they need to know these simple things. God is awesome. He really is. Sin is awful. Forgiveness is available. And I want to give you one final thing. Grace is amazing. Grace is amazing. There's a number of songs, and I guess to this day, you know, I guess, you know, I, I can't remember living without that song being a part of my life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. <laughs> Many other songs have been written about the amazing grace of God. We find that when you trust Jesus Christ, you see, for by grace are you saved through faith. For by grace, by God's grace, by God's wonderful, amazing grace, Him, His unmerited favor, something that you don't deserve, something that is completely unearned. For by grace, by God's glorious grace, is your only hope of salvation. For by grace, through faith, that's the only access, it's the only way you can get there. And that you can't even take credit for, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any should boast. <laughs> We'd just brag about it if we could somehow work up and build up this, this faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Again, don't try to figure it all out. Recognize this. This is the only place that anybody can ever come to saving truth. It's the only truth that will save a man. The Bible says he can look at creation and he's going to be left standing before God without any excuse. I'm not accepting that first point that God is awesome. <laughs> So you can't. You can look at it, and it'll tell you that. But you know, the only way that you'll know that you're a sinner is because God lets you know. The only way that you can know what sin will do for you and its consequences is because God lets you know. The only way you can know how much God loved you and what he did for you when you didn't deserve it is because God's Word will let you know. God will speak to you individually we find that, among other things, grace defeats the past. <laughs> it defeats the past. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how vile you are. I don't care what it was that you've done. 
Bible says all our sins are forgiven. There's nothing that's left out. Matter of fact, one of the one of the things that you know again, I'm oh, start to tell you how old I was. <laughs> Truth is, I've tried to figure out for a whole lot of years. You know, some of these things that are just just beyond my little feeble mind. You know, God forgives me, and the Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You see, the blood of Jesus Christ is so sufficient. It so wipes out that sin. The forgiveness is so complete. The Bible says, have you ever tried to measure from the, from the east to the west? Impossible. It's gone. Through Jesus Christ, when it's forgiven, it's gone. It's done away with. Grace defeats your past. Oh, the devil might come up and try to remind you, you know what you did here and you know what you did there. Folks, if you've gone to Jesus and if it's under the blood, just tell him he's a liar and get out of here because grace, God's amazing grace, it defeats the past. But while it defeats the past, it deals with the future. <laughs> it does. God gives you favor so that you can Live that Christian life differently from any way that you ever have in the past. You've never lived a life like that before. And that's not because you suddenly become so holy and perfect that everybody can say, whoa, what a saint. But 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, that's the key. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. <laughs> Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God doesn't just patch up the old things of the past. God builds something new. And God is everything you need. You see, he defeats the past. He deals with the future, but he also delights in the future. What do you mean, preacher? When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, by his grace, you're not only going to be forgiven now, and he's not only going to help you through tomorrow and next week, but beyond this life, you're going to be with him for all of eternity. You're going to be in that place called heaven with him. John said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now, I like that, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Right now, in Jesus Christ, with the Son of God. It doesn't even yet appear what we shall be. But we know, he said, that when he shall appear, speaking of Jesus, we shall be like him. <laughs> but we shall see him as he is. That's enough to make a dead Baptist shout, amen. <laughs> One day, that's our future. And it's not because of how good or bad you do, because of God's grace. By God's grace, your past is defeated. By God's grace, your future is dealt with. By God's grace, boy, you've got a delightful future <laughs> with him for all of eternity. One day, you're going to be just like him. Folks, that's not theological depth. That is the simple things. You see, people can know all of the theology in the world and 
Well, if you know me, you know, I, I love to study God's Word. And I love, again, you know, I can't explain it. How can you, how can you take one book? I, I love studying. I, I've, you know, I, I guess I've studied a lot of different things in my life, and I like knowing about things. But, you know, the most amazing thing in the world is you can spend a lifetime studying that one book called the Bible, and you never run out. Every time you open it, there's something more to learn. There's some other depth to go to. But all I'm saying to you this evening is that, hey, we're all headed for the same place. There is an appointment for every human being. The Bible says that it's appointed that the man wants to die. After this, the judgment. We're all going down that path. But before you go, there's some things you need to know that are more important than which buttons to push and whether you're tall enough and all these other things that you might need to know before you do something in life, before you leave this life, and we don't know when that is. There's some things you need to know. God is awesome. This God we talk about, he's beyond anything that we can even imagine. He's so great. Sin is awful, so awful that it destroys everything that it touches. It brings death to everything that it touches. But you know what? Forgiveness is available for you because of that final thing that we talked about because God's grace is so amazing. God's given us something that we don't deserve, but he's offered it there. And may I say to you, that's not hard to understand, but that's something everybody that you meet tomorrow and next week and next month to your appointed time, everybody you come face to face with, they need to know that. They need to know that. And it's God's people that he's called to be the witnesses to tell them these wonderful truths. That's why we're here. I'm, I'm not over-exaggerating. I'm going to remind you this, and then, and then that's going to be it. I'm so totally, completely, utterly convinced if you're here and you're saved and you're a child of God, the greatest, the greatest thing that could happen to you, and I know it's beyond because many times I know the sting's been taken out of death and death's that last enemy, and as Christians we overcome those fears, but most of us aren't nervous about anything quite as much as death. And it's an unknown. And all of our faith has to be in what God has told us. None of us have ever been there come back. But God has told us what to expect. And I'm convinced that you, every one of you, you would be far, far, far better off, no matter what tomorrow holds. You're going to be far better off in heaven than you are here. <laughs> There's no question about it. But God's left you here for a purpose. If it was just for what's best for you, he'd take you on to heaven. There's no question about that. But why are we here? Well, for one thing that we've been focusing on for the past couple of years, at least in most of our Sunday morning services, when we've looked at all these different subjects, folks, whether, you look, whether you're studying God, whether you're studying Jesus Christ, whether you're studying the Holy Spirit, whether you're studying the church, whether you're studying all these different things that we've been looking at, it's the work of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Everything in that Bible, it takes you to Jesus. 
And the whole purpose of Jesus was that souls could be saved, that their sins could be forgiven. Why are we here that the work of Christ could be carried on? Why does the Holy Spirit live within us? Not, I mean, you know, it feels pretty good sometimes. That's not why he's there. We like being happy. We like enjoying. We like doing all these things. But it's that the work of Christ can continue. That's the only way it can continue is by his power. This evening, we are here to be those witnesses. We are here that the work of Christ can be carried on in our lives. And the truth is, everybody we beat, we don't need to be theological geniuses and giants to be able to share those simple truths that everybody needs to know before they go. God is awesome. He really is. He's awesome beyond our imagination. Sin is awful. And its consequences worse than anything they can compare to it in all of this world. But forgiveness is available because of Jesus, because of his finished work. Forgiveness is available. Grace is amazing. <laughs> It'll deal with your past, your present, and your future. It'll take you right through eternity with God. Father, thank you this evening. And Lord, I, I have no idea why that you laid these particular thoughts on my mind, Lord, this evening. And I know even different, maybe in style than usual, but Lord, I know that you gave it to me and you know who would be here. Lord, there's just, there's some important things we just, we just need to know before we go. And I pray this evening that you would encourage those that are here, that Lord, that everybody they meet, they, they need to know these simple truths. They need to know them. And it's through your word that they can know them. So I pray that you would take and use us, Lord. Help us. Help Christ to be more real in our lives. Help Christ's work to be accomplished through us in a real and a mighty way. Lord, I pray that if there be anyone here this evening that doesn't know with absolute certainty, Lord, that they've been to the foot of the cross, that they've trusted in Jesus Christ, that they've humbled themselves and admitted their sinfulness and recognized that only through Jesus and his finished work can those sins be forgiven. I pray that even this night you would deal with them. Help them to know that you're still here. Your truth is still sound. Your forgiveness is available to them if they will but come. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <music>